Welcome to How Real Estate Changed My Life. This is a podcast that I started putting together not too long ago, really because I kept hearing people talk about the stereotypes of real estate and real estate investors and, and all the, the false news out there on it. And I wanted to really just share real life experiences of real estate investors that I know that it's changed your life for the good. And if there's negative, let me know too. I'm just very excited about being able to share this with people. And Marty, you're one of those guys that has a really good story from corporate world to investing. I think you've used your investments to help create other opportunities in your life that I think you'd, I'd love to hear and share with everybody. Sure. But with that, I'd, just tell us about you. Well, Kyle, thanks for having me on here. Uh, Marty Kennard, uh, early 50s, uh, retired from corporate America. Now, feels weird to say, but full-time entrepreneur slash real estate investor. Live here in Dallas. I'm from Minnesota. So if you hear the long O's, blame it on uh, the great white north. There you go. That's me in a nutshell. That's the elevator version. Okay. So I met you, man, has it been 10 years? I think 11 might be about 11 or 12. Wow. Okay. 11 11 years. And and so we'd we'd picked up a couple of properties that you had that you'd owned and you just need somebody to come in to manage them for you so you could focus on other things. How how did you get into and why did you get into buying rental properties? Uh, You know, I tell people I got into it accidentally because that's kind of what happened. When I first moved to Dallas in 2006, I bought a home that was way too big, way too far north. After realizing that a year later, I wanted to live closer into town, but I couldn't sell the other home. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having two homes and a single guy with two mortgages. I was a little scared. I couldn't sell the other home. So I ended up renting it. And after a couple of years, I realized that they were paying down my note. It was building equity. You know, it was a strategy that I kind of fell into. And then I worked for Target for 17 years. That's part of my background. When I took an early retirement from them, I had some stock options, cashed them in. And then I bought another rental home inspired by that first home that I got like I said, accidentally. That's what so, got the domino started. So on your second house, did you have any guidance or did you just wing it? Oh, I totally winged it. Had, you know, looking back, I bought it cash, which is a no-no. You want to put as little down as possible. But again, uh, middle-class mentality, wanted to play it safe. And plus, at that point, I didn't have a W-2, so I needed to. Yeah, Learned a lot of lessons from that, but I actually still own that one. That's the one I've had the longest. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you don't mind, because I know that's that's nothing compared to what you've done to date. Yeah, and I know you accumulated more. How how did that happen? Especially since you were un, you were I'm going to say unemployed. You didn't have a job. How did right. you keep buying? Uh, again, I, I've got my stories down here. What I tell people is, uh, I went back and got a job to support my home buying habit. Mm-hmm. I guess there's worse habits to have. So I eventually went back after eight months and earned a W-2. And uh, with my retirement, I'd still get uh, a payout every year, which was extra money that I didn't necessarily need. And after losing a ton of money in the stock market in 2007, I didn't want to put anything else in the market. So I decided to put it into real estate. Uh, Long story short, every year I would use that to buy, you know, at least one, sometimes three homes. And it just kind of kept accumulating that way. And and at a certain point, you... I don't want to use the word leveled up because I don't I don't want people to think that they have to level up to multifamily. But I think you you played in that arena. You trans you you moved into that area, right? I did. So uh, in 2015, I would say I dabbled into it. I was a key principal on a 16 unit in Fort Worth. I was uh, what we'd call a passive investor uh, in a deal in Denton, and uh, I was following the lifestyles model pretty much mm-hmm. until then. Because in 2016, I bought a bar, which kind of set my real estate back a little bit because that took a lot of my focus. But uh, in 2020, when COVID hit and the bar got shut down, I realized, okay, not making any money from the sports bar, but my renters are still paying. I'm still 
you know, earning equity and tax deductions and all that good stuff. So that's when I got back into the game big time by selling a home, using a 1031 exchange to buy three other homes. I refinanced a couple homes. I sold some homes. I, I shook everything up. And now today I'm in 12 active, sorry, I'm in 11 active deals. Oh, you know what? I need to update my numbers. I've got my little cheat sheet in front of me and I forgot nice. about another one. <laughs> Isn't that great? So, you get to the point where you forget you own something. Oh, yeah. So, yes, I'm in 12 active deals. I've sold three deals. So, 12 active multifamily deals. As a result of the base that I started with my single family, I was able to take some of that money out, apply it to the multifamily. Nice. So, on your sports bar, which I think is bad. And hey, you can plug anybody and everybody you want. Like you mentioned Lifestyles. So, it's Lifestyles Unlimited, which is a real estate investment group in Texas. And they, I think they've spread out. I've learned a lot from them. They're great people. They're, they've, I've never seen them point people in the wrong direction. And then your sports bar, What was? would that sports bar exist if it wasn't for real estate, you think? No. In fact, that original home that I lived in, that I turned into a rental home in, uh, north of Dallas in uh, Lantana, I sold that home to buy the bar. So there wasn't any money out of pocket as far as it you know, wasn't from my checking account, wasn't from savings. I literally sold a home and exchanged it for... Uh, it's a sand volleyball bar and grill nation's largest. We've got 22 sand courts. There you the go. There's my right. plug. Quartz garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm doing kind of helping out with uh, a local school district here that has some land and they're trying to figure yeah. out what to do with it. And the data comes back is like, everybody needs volleyball courts and basketball courts for tournaments. I don't know if sand was included on their, re their research, but it's amazing how much of a tournament programs out there nationwide for volleyball and all those sports. And you, I never really realized it until my kids came around. Yeah, everybody loves volleyball. Obviously, the new up and coming sport is pickleball. Everybody wants pickleball. I don't know if, that, if that's as big with the students, mm -hmm. but uh, like I said, volleyball is a pretty safe bet. Mm -hmm. You're in the multifamilies now, and you obviously would have never thought you'd be here when you left Target. So if somebody's sitting in their W 2 job and they kind of thought about real estate, what advice would you give them? You know, uh, if you're in a job, that means you're you most likely have a W-2, mm -hmm. this is when you need to get started. And the hardest part is getting started. So many people mm -hmm. think about it, they read about it, but they don't actually take action. You've got to take action. People think it's a stress when you start buying homes. I found just the opposite. Me too. Once I started having some cash flow come in, I, I you know, I wasn't as worried about the day job. I could take risks. Mm -hmm. um, I could, uh, you know, uh, I, I spoke with confidence because I had this backup. Your people aren't going to retire off their job. It just it doesn't work that way anymore. The old days of pensions and retirements and that stuff, it doesn't work. You got to do something on your own. It's extremely empowering, but you just got to get started. And before we started recording, we, we mentioned about kind of some of your trips. That's one thing I, I love watching you on Facebook because I, I love seeing your your travels abroad. And and I think you know real estate's probably giving you a little bit of freedom and flexibility in that regard. Is that right? Oh, without a doubt. That's one thing I really didn't like about the day job is that if I wanted to go on vacation, I had to ask someone for permission, pretty please, can I go on vacation? Now, if the weather's nice, uh, if I sold something, if I've got some extra cash, I've got all the time. I've got flexibility. So I've chalked up 50, all 50 states in 41 countries and growing. Nice. Good times. So what, what's next with you? Are you going to keep going on the multifamily? Yeah, without a doubt. So I've kind of stabilized my single families. I've got four of my single families that I rent out to transitional living. It's a Christian-based transitional living called the Freeman House. So they're organized or they're stabilized. I've got my passive deals, which you do nothing. You give someone some money that syndicates a deal and you sit back and maybe read the numbers, maybe not. 
So what I want to do is uh, I want to lead a deal. I want to syndicate a deal. I've done the IRO thing where I'm the sole owner of a small Mm -hmm. complex. Now I want to be the lead of a much larger complex where I take in money from other people. One part, because you can grow your money faster, but really, I just want to learn it. Mm -hmm. So how would somebody that want to do the passive route, let's say they love Marty and they're like, hey, Marty's been there, done that. He's got a good track record. I trust him. How would a person learn about doing the passive side of putting money in with a syndicate? syndication group where, where would they go how how would that happen sure i uh well as you know i'm with lifestyles unlimited and they're an education and mentoring group for real estate investing the largest in america and i honestly uh do everything through them currently and plan on uh staying with them uh, as long as i can they are awesome what they do is they help train both the leads and the passes to know what they're doing mm-hmm. then they have what's called a podium a place where you can you know, leads can meet up with uh, passes and vice versa. So the first thing is you need to have some sort of way to educate yourself. You need to have some way of facilitating the conversation between the two. That way you can make educated decisions as to who you're investing with, what they're investing in, and you can ask the right questions and have a comfort level as to the rules that they play by. Sorry, that's one of the things that's really important. They have what's called the white papers, which is uh, a list of all the recommendations. Here's the things that you should do. Here's the things that you must do. Here's the things that you might want to do, but it's full transparency. So I'll give you one small microcosm as an example. Mm-hmm. Do they live in the city of the apartment that they own? You know, they should, but if they don't, for various reasons, they need to explain how they're going to mm-hmm. mitigate. But having that transparency and education really helps me feel comfortable. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that, especially the you want to know kind of what somebody's, let's say, buy box and their rules of how they want to operate as opposed to just blindly handing money to somebody that's done it before because you, you, you want to have that, you know, that that path that's already set out in front of you. Yeah, you you want to know the rules and outside of lifestyles, it could be the wild, wild west. If you don't mm-hmm. read the fine print or understand the fine print, you might be getting screwed over in some way, you know, from a lead that's being overly uh, gracious to themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I like how it's facilitated. I love the transparency, love the education. So when I do my lead deal, um, it will be through them. And that's how I get it passes. So if someone has, hey, I've got $25,000 to invest. I've got 100000 to invest. Here's the deal I'm looking at. Here's my background. Here's my plan. And, and the plan is, here's my financial story. Here's we're going to do year one, year two. Hopefully by year three to five, we're going to sell in these conditions. The script is written. You just have to decide if you agree with it. So obviously nothing happens the way you plan. But if you don't plan, nothing good, good happens. Do you mind telling us a story of maybe when it didn't work and then followed up with the one that worked? You know, honestly, I, I'll give you an example of where I probably sold too early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where it didn't work. But no, actually, I'll, I'll give you one. The, f- the first deal that I was the KP in, it was a 16 unit in Fort Worth. Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking about brand, that in the back of my head. I think there were some yeah. challenges on that one. Yeah, I mean, there was some, uh, there was some plumbing issues and we couldn't figure it out. And we were young. We didn't really have a solid plan. We were kind of winging it the whole time. But when we sold it two and a half years later, we made a 60% return on cash, uh, in part because the market was better and we bought it at a good price. Uh, had we had a little more experience and, and whatnot, we probably could have had a, a triple digit return. Mm-hmm. So even though I would count it as a loss because we could have made more, uh, we we made enough where I can use it as a win. That's one thing I love about real estate is a lot of the, the challenges and the problems you have with it, you can outlast if you can outlast it, it it's not a problem anymore if you can just hold it a little longer and let the market catch up with you or kind of work through it so it's kind of nice that one of your not wins becomes your is actually most people's would dream to have that opportunity and that's one of your bad days in real estate right, right. yeah so tell us about your favorite deal that you've done so far 
So uh, I bought a home in Southwest Fort Worth, sight unseen, just so I could brag that I bought it sight unseen. Mm -hmm. uh, the numbers look good enough. I saw the pictures and uh, I bought it for 135000 a duplex for 135000 mm -hmm. By the way, five of the homes I bought, for some reason, I bought for 135000 mm -hmm. That number kind of stuck with me. So I held it for about five or six years. I believe you guys managed it for me. Thank you very much. And yeah, Thank you for uh, entrusting us. Oh, you guys are great. But again, when COVID hit, I looked at all my homes and I looked at the ones that had the highest equity and lowest cash every month. And uh, it was that one. So I decided to sell it. And when I put it for sale, I realized I can get a lot more. I think I sold it for, it was like two, somewhere between 250 and 270. Nice. And, um, you know, I bought it for 135, but put 20% down. Mm -hmm. What I owed on the loan went down. Yeah, right? amortization. So I had about 160,000 to play with. And uh, I used that to buy three homes, one home in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Uh, I bought that actually with a friend of mine, used it as a VRBO, not necessarily the lifestyles model, but I bought it with a friend of mine for 650. It's now worth 1.3 million. I used another 50,000 to buy a home in Farmer's Branch, which again, you guys helped me uh, lease it up. Thank you very much. I bought that home in Farmer's Branch for what? 135. And I spent about 65 renovating it and sold it for about 280 a year later. And the last amount from that one home in Fort Worth, I bought a home, another one in Fort Worth actually, and held that one for a year, sold it for 20 grand more and used it to buy a woman's shelter in Richardson. So that one home in Southwest, Southwest Fort Worth that I'd never seen before I purchased it helped me buy three other homes each, which made money as well. So that's probably my favorite deal. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Yeah. And, and your broken boat, I think you got two now up there, right? Or is it just one? I have one. My business partner has two more. Okay. So if they wanted, if somebody listening wanted to learn more, because broken boat is an amazing place to go. We love it up there. I mean, when the scandemic hit, we went up there with our camper and had a blast. So if they wanted to rent it, where, is there a website they would go to? Uh, either VRBO or Airbnb. The name of our cabin is Grandview Heights. It sleeps 15. Uh, we have a hot tub. We have two fireplaces. And next month, we're installing a sauna. Nice. Yeah, that that it, I've seen the photos of that place. It's really nice. You've got a good one up there. I tell you, now, it's booked every weekend. And during the week, I can go up there when there's no one there. And I have a cabin all myself that other people are paying for. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Now, do you, do you have Wi-Fi up there? That's oh, yeah. It wasn't as it wasn't that good at first in the entire area, but we've mm -hmm. jacked it up where we've got excellent Wi-Fi now. Yeah, that was the challenge whenever I'd go up there. I couldn't really work very well. We had to, my son was still doing the online school thing, and we'd have to drive into town and sit in front of the barbecue restaurant because that's one place we had cell reception right. to, do his, to do his homework, and then we'd go back to the camper. I think the city was behind on a lot of utilities, but they, they're slowly catching up. Wi-Fi has been caught up. We're good now. Okay. So let's talk about a good multifamily story. And then I want to also talk about, I don't know if it's transition homes, the women's shelters, things like that, things that you've done through real estate that helped other people. And I think that's an amazing thing to be able to say is like, yeah, you're making money, but then you're also helping people. And too many people look at us as evil landlords, taking advantage of people. No, we're actually helping people in so many ways. But let's talk about your multifamily and let's circle around to that. Sure. My first passive deal was with uh, Don Rawl. Hopefully I can use his name. Great guy. Uh, up in Denton. I was going to put 100000 into his deal. And it was my first time as a passive. I chickened out and put in 50000 And I uh, did nothing. I you know, I really didn't know how to read the reports, but I got a monthly report and mm -hmm. felt like a businessman. Sold it. I believe about two and a half years uh, later. And uh, during those three years, each year, yeah. I got a $5,000 return. 
uh, cash out. So ten percent yeah, a year for three years, and then after three years or around three years, we sold it, and he gave me one hundred two thousand back. So if you add up the fifteen thousand or three years, one hundred two, my fifty thousand turned into one hundred seventeen thousand, and I did nothing. So you know that's that's a huge return. I'm feeling great. He gave me one hundred seventeen percent return, if you will. And um, I remember bragging about him to a couple of my friends in front of him. He's like, Marty, you were in my worst deal. He goes, you only got just over 100,000. I had one over 300,000 or 300% return and another one 350% return. So while I felt like a schmuck at that moment, I still felt pretty good that you know uh, the system worked. To that point, it was completely passive. You just gave him and he, it was somebody you could trust and he had a track record and he was good and you didn't have to think about it. It was done. You wrote the check, you go back and do whatever it is you want to do in life. And then at the end of the day, you, you had something that was relatively safe and secure. And then you got paid at the end and it was truly passive. Yeah. You know, they say you want to work hard for your money, but if you're really smart, you have your money work for you. Mm-hmm. And when your money's working for you, suddenly you're like, I don't need to do anything now. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you might have a job. I might do some other things, but yeah, you give them your money and, you know, read the reports if you want. You don't have to, mm-hmm. but uh, if they're doing a good job, like Don was, there you go. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of Robert Kiyosaki's books. The first one, the second one, Rich Dad Poor Dad. The first one, which is good, what's oh. asset, what's liability. The second one, Cash Flow Quadrant, where it talks about your sources of income, and that's that fourth quartile, bottom right, where it's where your money's working for you. That's when you're winning. So, congratulations on those. Thank you. And you know, I'd go further with that. It's not just having your money work for you, but when you're leveraging money, you have other people's money working for you. Mm-hmm. And that's why real estate is so huge. That remind I was last week I was sitting down with a mentor of mine and and he's he's done very, very well. And I was telling him some of the projects I had going on. He's like, hey, don't forget OPM. You need to use other people's money. You know, I grew up in that that same kind of similar background as you is like you want to pay everything off. You don't want to have the debt. That sometimes is a challenge, but then when you see it on a spreadsheet and how it really comes out in real life, you're like man, if I would have bought her more and spent less of my money in it, my return would have been even more. So yeah, it's kind of hard to overcome that. You know, to that point, one of the questions I was looking at is one of your biggest challenges that you had to overcome. It wasn't finding the deals. It wasn't financing the deals. It was the mindset. Mm-hmm. Because again, we grew up with the mindset of pay everything off and uh, debt is bad. Mm-hmm. And once you realize what, like what you said, you look at the numbers on a spreadsheet, you see how it all plays out. It'd be dumb not to do it. Mm-hmm. You just have to trust the system. Yep. I've got some performers of some projects that I did the last month and it was staggering. You know, you you feel a couple of bucks hit your bank account and that's cool. But when you actually look at it on the spreadsheet and figure out a couple of bucks, well, that came from like a $0 investment. Well, that's an infinite return. And that's when it really hits you is when you're looking at the spreadsheets. So tell us about how you have used real estate to obviously make money, but then also to help people that could really use a, an opportunity. Because I love what you've done and I've, I'm kind of tinkering with a little bit of what you're doing, but not to your level. So I want to hear more about your ministry programs and all that as far as yeah. real estate goes. Again, when I when I left Target and had a little bit of play money, if you will, and mm-hmm. I wanted to invest, um, I was looking for a duplex. Again, middle-class mindset, I was worried mm-hmm. about vacancy. What if I buy something, I can't rent it out. And mm-hmm. So duplex seems safer because there's two sides and spent the day looking at a bunch of duplexes, passed on them all. But the very last one, the real estate agent said, hey, I don't know if you want to consider this one or not. They want to sell it to you, but they want to rent it back. It's transitional living for people coming out of prison or down and out. You know, it's a great program. That sounds awesome. We should have started there. So I went there and and met uh, the guy that started it is Troy Freeman. He has since passed away, but he used his name Freeman to call the organization Freeman, kind of a play Mm -hmm. in his last name. 
And he had a vision where he wanted to have transitional living in nice houses, in nice areas where people could have pride where they lived. Mm -hmm. uh, he himself was in and out of prison for usually alcohol abuse. And um, he would get out of prison, go to a bad home in a bad neighborhood, be in the bad element, end up back in prison. So that was his vision was to have these nice houses in a good Christian-based mm -hmm. uh, program. So I bought the home. It's been great. Uh, since then, I've bought um, four more. And there, they had a, there's another spinoff organization called uh, Forgiven Felons, and I also bought mm -hmm. a house for them as well. I've since sold that one, but I've got three men's houses, duplexes, and a women's shelter. And uh, I tell you, it feels good for me uh, as an investor from a financial standpoint. Yeah, I get my cash flow. I'm building equity, mm -hmm. tax breaks, all that good stuff. But I'm supporting the organization. It's really good for the people that live there. And it's good for the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. They they do community projects. They clean up. Uh, it, it's a win-win-win. Very proud to be uh, part of the organization. I also sit on the board in full disclosure, the freemanhouse.org. I sit on the board. But whenever you can do stuff like that, and even if you have a house that's not part of an organization like that, we're providing a product and a service for people. Mm -hmm. So you can feel good that you're helping people out. I can show you before and after pictures of houses and apartments that I've bought. That when you're done, it's like, this is a trophy. Look what people mm -hmm. used to live in. Look what they have now. Mm -hmm. You know, that feels good. And there's too many stigmas that come with being in that niche. Because, yeah. you know, I've encouraged a buddy of mine that wanted to do something similar. At the last minute, he's like, no, 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 I can't. I mean, I was like, there, it's not what you think it is. Like, these, these are everybody's good people. They're just trying to get their leg up. I mean, if, if you don't give an opportunity, who will? Very neat. I love that. So what's next for you? I'm at the point where uh, I, I did so many transactions in 2020 to 2021 that I've kind of leveled off. I, I think I want to do one more single family because the organization, frankly, needs another women's shelter. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably do one more uh, single family. I've got some multifamilies. We're just waiting for the rates to get better, mm -hmm. where I'm either going to do some refis or some selling. And it's mostly going to be uh, it's mostly going to be that from here on out in multifamily. Good. In fact, we're looking even more at Tennessee, which is obviously the new Texas as far as the environment for investing. That's what so I keep I'm hearing. Taking a trip out there once. I'll be out there again in early December. It's growing. It's got some great opportunity. Now, what part of Tennessee are y'all looking? Started in Nashville. Uh, south of Chattanooga, mm -hmm. east of Knoxville, which is my personal favorite. There. And then the Tri-Cities in the Northeast. So anything central to east. Again, I prefer like Knoxville, just a beautiful town. But the well, environment is right. They, they only update their taxes every three to five years, depending mm -hmm. where they're at. Insurance is much more reasonable. Mm -hmm. And they only have 2% growth of new apartment complexes, yet like an 8% growth of people moving in there. It's harder to buy homes in this environment. Mm -hmm. So it, it's ripe. It is ripe for buying. Yeah, so we, we've taken our RV out that side of the state, and, and it, it's really nice out there. And I've, we've It'll been be. out to Broken, not Broken Bow, but it's like the Broken Bow of Tennessee, that whole Pigeon Ford, Gatlinburg area. It's a, you're going to see oh, it, it looks very similar in some regard. We were going to go there, and we didn't, but it's on our list next time. It is very touristy on the main trek, but sure. you know that's my first cabin experience when I was younger. We took a family vacation up there, and I always remember it. We had a little cabin up on the side of a mountain, had deer outside, so it was. It's it's got a lot of similarities to to Broken Bow, but you, nice you'll you'll like it out yeah. there too. And then you'll have to check out Kate's Cove when you go up there. It, it's a really neat. Up in the mountains, it's, it's kind of a cove up in the top of the mountains where I guess time stopped and then mm -hmm. became a national park. And then so you got all the old cabins from the settlers that lived there forever. But uh, you'll always see bear or deer when you're when you're up there. It's really neat. It's a really nice area. You're going to you're going to enjoy Tennessee as much as I love Texas, investing in Texas. 
and that's my where I'm got my roots at. I think there's some stuff going on in Tennessee worth looking at. Yep, without a doubt, without a doubt, word is out. So, what would you tell somebody that's sitting at home or on their Peloton right now, listening to you? What, what would you tell them? You know, I have a lot of friends ask me advice, so I, I get that a lot. Um, some people are just kicking the can, just trying to you know figure out uh, is it real. What I'd say is they're going to hear two voices. They're going to hear one that says, wow, this sounds really good. But a lot of times they listen to the other voice where it says, ah, it's not for me. It's for someone that's got a lot of money or it's someone that's, you know, risk, uh, more risk tolerant than I am. I've shared it with my family and they say the same thing. Ah, just, I can't take the risk. To me, it's a risk if you don't do it. It's kind of like exercise. You know, uh, I need to go to the gym more, but I hate going to the gym. Well, you're going to hate being unhealthy more (laughs) than Mm -hmm. not exercising. So what I'd say is just be self-conscious and understand you've got competing voices in your head. And even though there's, they can come up with 10 really good reasons why they shouldn't do it, I can come up with 10 really good reasons to counter every one of those reasons. Mm-hmm. They've got to check it out. I'm okay with people saying no to things, but they should have an educated no. A lot of times they're saying no, and they don't really know why they're saying no. Right. They've just been taught, oh, you can't do that. Again, some mm-hmm. of the things you said, it's a might be an evil landlord or for people with money. It's not. You're doing a good thing for other people. Everybody wins. You just got to get started. Start with educating yourself in the very least. The second thing I'd say is take a look at single family. That's a good way to get in. It's a, it's kind of a, a starter pack, if you will, mm-hmm. in the real estate. And it's real simple. Just take a look at the money coming in and then take a look at the money coming out. If you can cash flow, it's something you should probably try and do. Yeah, it, it's it's a I call them like the perfect four hundred one k. I mean, it, it's you put money in once and you let it grow. Your four hundred one k traditionally you're putting money in every single month and it'll grow however much you put in there and maybe a little bit with the market. But with the little house, somebody else is paying that mortgage down for you. Appreciation, taxes, all that pays for. I mean, it's 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 so much more safe and secure than what people think it is in their head. But I will say one thing: when you, you mentioned real estate being a rich man's sport or rich man's game, I'm going to say it is, and it is because that's how they got rich. So play the game early, and you're going to be rich if you do it right. I mean, and then pay pay attention to people that are successful and have done it. Like don't listen to the naysayers that never did it. But, exactly. Uh, you know, the, the Marty Canards and the Kyles and all the other people that have been on my other episodes, they've all done it. They've been in the trenches. They've, they've made bad decisions. They made great decisions, but they're all done very, very well. You know, even if you, uh, if you make a bad decision or a mistake here and there, that's an education, mm-hmm. you know, that's priceless. There's no such thing as a free education. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> and I, I like you it know, when they pay you too. Exactly. You know, one of the things you said about a 401k, a lot of people do that because it's safe. They don't need to think about that. They get excited about when the company matches. Well, the company's matching me up to 5%. Well, real estate, what you said earlier, the renters are paying you a lot of money to pay down the note and everything else. It's way better than a company match of a 401k. They just need to check it out and they have control of it and they have the tax deductions let alone appreciation and equity pay down and everything else that goes with it. And and I was in a previous life, one of those guys that had a series seven license and I bought and sold fixed income security, stocks, bonds, preferred all those for people. And I couldn't have talked about real estate to somebody like, so all these people that are giving you this advice about 401ks and put your money in the market. Like all those people get paid by you putting money in the market. Mm-hmm. They don't get paid a penny if you buy something and real estate. Like they, that if anything, they view that as a competitor because you're taking money out of that brokerage account and putting in something they don't get paid on. But uh, I have met some really good, smart money managers that they'll have a portfolio for somebody that's seven figures and they'll write a margin check and then purchase rental properties with that margin check. So they don't sell the brokerage account assets, but now they still get the benefit of owning the real estate. And then basically treat that day on the mortgage. It's very interesting. That's the fun part about being on my side of the, of the desk 
on watching people manage properties and portfolios. And I get to do the the dirty side of it a lot of times. You know, I, I get to do all the, the negatives that everybody talks about. I get that. But I really get to see these people that have gone like you've gone from moving up to the A game or from, you know, baby steps to big to big players. And and I've said it so many times, I've seen so many people take their portfolios and just level them up. And then they don't have to worry about what's going on in the world because they're they're okay. Right. Right. They're in control. Mm-hmm. And all you need to do is get started, then it snowballs, and then you realize, I could do this full time. I've been dabbling at this and doing very well. What if I actually took it seriously? You know, yeah. And that's where you can transition to doing it full time. Yeah. You know, funny, you were talking about, you know, again, the 401k and people giving advice. I had a great guy managing my uh, all my mutual funds and everything with mm-hmm. Wells Fargo. Uh, you know, you end up becoming a pretty good friend. But I would, you know, take money out from time to time to invest in real estate. And I'm almost apologizing because I'm taking money away from his yeah. account that he was managing. But then he started looking at my stuff and he started getting into it. He's Good. like, yeah. And he goes, I can't argue with what you're doing. It's way better than whatever I can offer. Well, you I'm know? glad he recognized that. So many people don't. It's, right. Yeah. They've been institutionalized to where that's the only thing you can do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, nice. Well, Marty, I really appreciate you taking time and, and just visiting with me. And and I, I really hope someone out there listening while they're on their Peloton or listening to podcasts on the way to work, and they hear one little nugget, something that makes them want to pick up the phone and call somebody they know that does real estate or show up at a Lifestyles Unlimited meeting, which those are free to me. The first time I went, I just talked to everybody like, what is it that that you're doing? And and everybody loves talking about their stories. So that's one thing I love about real estate. People love talking about it. So I, I'm hoping somebody gets some value and, and takes that step and, and changes their life and, and the in the lives of all the people in their, their family tree below them also. So I, I appreciate that. But thank you so much. And um, any more l- last words of wisdom before, before we call it? If not this, what? Because yeah. what other people are doing, a lot of people don't have a plan, period, mm-hmm. or they think they have a plan because they're following what the world says with the 401k IRA. And neither one of those are going to work. You've got to check it out. This is your chance to take control. Again, uh, you don't know what you don't know until you check it out. It's extremely doable wherever you're at in life, without a doubt. All right. There you go. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Marty. Enjoy the chat.